You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. tells us that when he comes, verse 37, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Is that not fascinating? It's who he is. His nature. Many of us could scarcely imagine what it would be like to be a direct disciple of Christ some 2,000 years ago. Even more difficult to imagine is the fact that he was constantly serving others rather than demanding he be served. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the servant nature of Christ, who not only humbled himself by becoming a man, but then went on to serve man. In his study, you'll learn how even when Christ returns in glory, he'll still be seeking to serve those who are faithful. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of John chapter 13 as he continues his message, Foot Washing. Years ago, we were hosting a Valentine's banquet, and I had a guest speaker in, and he was a well-known pastor in the Calvary movement, uh, large church, and I was amazed that he would come and speak, and he was a very good speaker, and I was so looking forward to hearing him, and he did a great job that night, but I was so humbled before he spoke. He's sitting at our table, uh, the host table, and during the evening, as we had gone out to this catered Kind of a thing, you know, uh, Orange Blossom Caterers. We actually went there, you know, and they, they set things up for us. And we went there to have our, our Valentine's banquet. And this pastor, during the meal, without even saying anything to me, uh, gets up from our table, goes and grabs a pitcher of water from the server's table, and goes around and begins refilling everybody's water. And I'm like, I should have done it first. (laughs) He beat me to it. I wasn't even thinking about doing that. We had servants there doing that. We were paying them to do that. And here our guest speaker gets up and goes around and serves people. And I've never forgotten that. There are lots of different ways you can wash somebody's feet. That's the practical significance of the story. But before we go to my second point, and we're still on the foot washing, what is the spiritual significance? Jesus said to Peter, you won't understand now, but later you'll understand. And Peter's initial thing is, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? 
Well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, they're not just my feet, my hands, my head. Give me a whole bath. And Jesus says, no, you've already had a bath. What does he mean by that? You've already put your faith in me and you've been washed by the sacrifice that I'm going to make on the cross. Old Testament saints before the cross, all those pre-cross saints who believed in the coming Messiah are washed by faith. They're credited righteousness by faith. These disciples are credited righteousness by faith. And so that's what Jesus means when he says, when he says, Peter, somebody already had a bath. They don't need a bath again. You've already had a bath. You can put your faith in me. You're righteous by faith. But practically speaking, as you walk in the world, you get some dirt. And what we need to do regularly is let Jesus wash our feet. That leads us into the second point. The first is the foot washing. Translate it culturally. Understand the spiritual significance also. Don't forget that. And I only mention it, but Jesus wants to wash our feet. We're righteous by faith in him. But practically speaking, as I walk in life, as I go through life, there are things that I need a fresh, fresh washing. It's like, you know, some, sometimes your kids come in, you go, what, go wash Wipe your feet, you know. You've been out in the backyard, and they come traipsing in. They get got all these marks everywhere and dirt, you know. And you go, well, you need to wash your feet first or clean your shoes first. It just happens. You walk in the world, and you get dirty. The feet he washed. I'm going to go to several different scriptures. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child, had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children. He's talking about humility. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. <laughs> I love this. They came to Capernaum, and uh, when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, the disciples, what were you arguing about on the road? And they didn't think he heard them. They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Are they arguing about who's the most humble? Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. The disciples were astonished uh, while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the 12 aside, told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to Jerusalem. Uh, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. Hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he'll rise. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. Verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. 
You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom, for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten, the other ten disciples, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Because they're trying to get the best place. The top two spots next to Jesus. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You, you, you think they get it, but you go to Luke's gospel, chapter 9, and here you find again, verse 46, after again, he talks about what's going to happen to him. Verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. And again, he brings a child and has him stand before them. Luke 22, Luke 22 is Luke's record of this final Passover meal, and it's noteworthy to look here in Luke's account. If you go down Luke 22 to verse 19, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, Which of them it might be who would do this? And don't miss verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. At the final Passover meal, and it appears even after he had washed their feet, they're arguing over who's the greatest. <laughs> Among these disciples, I, I wonder whose feet stank the worst. I believe I know who had the biggest feet. I think Peter had the biggest feet. Peter, I put in my notes, probably has about a size 13 triple E. We have a guy on our staff, Cameron. He wears a size, true story, 15 shoe. Sometimes the only time Peter opened his mouth was to change feet. Jesus washes these guys' feet. And not only, not only, really, did some of them smell worse than others, 
He knew everything about them. So there was the, the physical stench, but there was also the spiritual reality of how, how sinful they were and how imperfect they still were and how they just didn't get it up to this point. One more, and then we'll move on. John's Gospel, chapter 20, even after the resurrection. I think it was John Corson years ago that I first heard teach on this particular passage, and I'd never, never seen what he pointed out. But in John chapter 20, if you go to verse 2, uh, resurrection Sunday, uh, Mary Magdalene comes running back, tells Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Uh, so verse 3, Peter and the other disciple, we know it's John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. I circled it. Why is that important? If you know anything about the scriptures and Peter and John, they had a little bit of a contention, competition with one another. And he reached the tomb first. He got there first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He tells us twice in these few verses, he outran Peter to the tomb. The foot washing. Humbling thing to do. Humble thing to do. It's the task of a servant. It can be translated culturally, and I'll go back and doing the laundry, doing the dishes, mopping the floor, washing somebody's car, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's, it's, it's serving somebody. And in a way that you wouldn't normally, it's not typical. It's not even your responsibility. Maybe somebody else's responsibility. That's the foot washing. The feet Jesus washed. He washed Judas's feet. And then the last point. And that is the foot washer. Man. I mentioned in the opening, I've often been perplexed at the statement, he now showed them the full extent of his love, and that's when he washes their feet. That's the full extent of his love. I thought the cross was the full extent of his love. That's where he's headed. This is the night he's betrayed. This is the night he will go and all night stand before the supreme court of his day. The next day they will put him on a Roman cross and crucify him. It's his greatest hour of need. It's the time others, especially who love him, should be serving him, ministering to him. And the full extent of his love and his greatest hour of need personally. He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of them. Man, I love this guy. 
I put in my notes, we might have expected this incident to be in the gospel of Mark because the gospel of Mark depicts our Lord as the perfect servant. But the story's in the gospel of John. And you'll only find it in the gospel of John. No other gospel records it. This is the only place it's recorded. And the gospel of John presents Jesus as the Son of God, God the Son. The Midrash, it's the Hebrew exposition of the Bible, specified, listen, specified that foot washing could not be required even of a Hebrew slave. In the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture of the day. You get a Gentile, <laughs> not a Hebrew, to wash somebody's feet. Peter's objection was, in essence, telling Jesus, You're above washing feet. And Jesus said, after he's done, Hey, I am your Lord and teacher. You're right. But despite who he is, despite who he is, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> because of who he is, Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Should be, not a lot of times who being in very nature, God. Romans 9, Paul says he's Christ, God over all. Who being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And on the night that he was betrayed, and now he's headed for the cross, he shows them the full extent of his love. He's the guy with all the authority. He's the one who gets all the glory, and he deserves every bit of it. It's not his job. It's not his regular responsibility. He could have commanded any one of his disciples. He could have got a Gentile and commanded them to wash the disciples' feet. So a couple of closing questions. One, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Because that's his nature. One of the most fascinating scriptures is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. It's in the context of Jesus' second coming. And it talks about us being ready, and you want to be ready for his coming, and he's coming soon. And it tells us that when he comes, verse 37, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table, and will come 
and wait on them. Is that not fascinating? It's who he is. It's his nature. So why did not the disciples do it? It's not their nature. It's not my nature. I, I don't get up every morning and the first thing I think about, I wonder who feet I can wash. <laughs> it's not my nature. It's not your nature. It's not our nature. But that's why relationship with Jesus is so vital, not only for salvation, but as we walk through life, walk through life, righteous by faith in him, but our feet get dirty. You know what he wants to do? He wants to wash our feet. And it's only after we submit ourselves to let him wash our feet that we, in turn, will be willing to wash other people's feet. We love because he first loved us. Now, we got to bring it to a close, but who is the greatest among us? We can't be here together physically. We will be again soon. But in our church family, I wonder who God considers at Calvary Chapel Fellowship the greatest among us. We know from the scriptures that we look at tonight, the one he considers the greatest is the one that's the greatest servant. It might not be me. Probably not me. might be the guy when we get back together again that's out here parking cars or the one serving coffee in the cafe or the one running one of the technical things, you know, to do the live stream or any other number of people, the people ministering to the children while we're in here worshiping and hearing the word together. Who's the greatest in your family? Dad? Yeah. Not unless you're the servant that Jesus wants you to be. The greatest among us. And don't forget, don't forget what he says. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Not if you know them. Not if you can teach them. No, if you do them. So now's that time. In the closing uh, of the message, now's that time. If you got your phone, put in there like I do uh, some of the priority things you, you need to do. Maybe tonight, but, but especially tomorrow. Put it up there and, and put, how are you going to wash somebody's feet? You want to be blessed? Find some feet to wash. Find somebody to serve. Do something you wouldn't normally do. Do something that's not your regular responsibility. It's not your regular job. Children, clean your room before your mom or dad asks you to. Take out the trash. Be careful. Don't give mom or dad a heart attack. They'll be shocked when they find out it was you. Wash some feet. And then begin to make it regular practice you'll be blessed now that you know these things if you do them
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.